There's an old Chinese saying I just made up. If you do two things at once, you'll do them both badly. Barbecuing is fun, and so is hot air ballooning. But you should never barbecue in a hot air balloon. Roller coasters and colonoscopies are both good things, but not at the same time. Ditto sex and petting zoos. This also holds true for solar eclipses and visiting Antarctica. Fans of this podcast, if we had any, know that there are two travel experiences I had no complaints with. I cruised to Antarctica twice and chased four solar eclipses. So what could be better than seeing a solar eclipse in Antarctica? It turns out, just about anything. This podcast came crawling back from the dead just so I could bitch about this misbegotten vacation. Total solar eclipses pop up every 13 months or so in seemingly random places. Australia, Wyoming, Chile, Bali, and in December 2021, over the waters around Antarctica. There was nowhere else on Earth you could see it, so seven different cruise lines decided to send ships there. We joined a college alumni tour with groups from Harvard, Duke University, the Harvard of the South, and Colorado College, the Harvard of downtown Colorado Springs. There were also passengers representing the Smithsonian. My only affiliation with them was that I subscribed to Smithsonian Magazine back in the 90s. I let my subscription lapse because, you know, it's boring. And yet, the magazine kept coming. Year after year, decade after decade, Smithsonian keeps showing up in my mailbox, uninvited, unpaid for. I even moved across country, and yet somehow it found me. It's like a curse that won't stop until I make it all the way through one issue. This month's Smithsonian actually contains a 13-page article on the history of Roquefort cheese. (laughs) Nope, won't be reading that. Every cruise to Antarctica leaves from Ushuaia, the southernmost port on Earth. It's a remote area, and in 1902, Argentina figured the best way to populate it was by building a huge prison there. This gave them a town, although one largely populated by rapists and murderers. Not a great tax base. This giant octopus of a prison has been converted into a cultural center, with a different museum in each tentacle. There's art, history, maritime, and wax. It's sort of a Smithsonian penal institution. Ha <laughs> ha! Take that, Smithsonian. Ushuaia's main employer is no longer the prison. Now, it's a cell phone assembly factory. In other words, a prison. Still, Ushuaia is a charming tourist town where you can get a king crab dinner for something like three cents. This is all thanks to Argentina's amazing plummeting currency. The value is dropping so fast, the money seems to whistle. The Argentinian peso used to be worth a dollar. Now it's worth half a penny. I learned this after using a local ATM. I thought I was getting $200. Instead, I got a buck, plus a $10 service charge. Most cruises head south from Ushuaia into the protected Antarctic Bay. There you enjoy a week of calm seas, blue skies, and penguins. But that's not where the eclipse was, so instead we headed east, into the roughest oceans on Earth. Sailors have said of the southern latitudes, Beneath 40, there is no raw. Beneath 50, 
There is no God. We were about to spend the next week in the 60s. We gazed back at Ushuaia as it receded into the distance. The last thing I saw was a billboard with the city's nickname on it. The end of the world. It was a real horror movie moment. There was even the wheezy old man who predicts doom early in the film. He was a professor who'd been chasing eclipses since the 40s. He turned to me and said, We're not gonna see anything. We're not gonna see anything at all. Our itinerary speaks volumes. We were heading through Terror Cove, past Danger Islands, trying to reach a point called Inaccessible Point. Spoiler alert, we never got there. For three straight days, we plowed through endless fog. The seas churned like a cheap washing machine. A Kenmore, if you will. These waters would challenge a massive oil tanker, and we were a dainty French cruise ship, fragile as a croissant. The waves were higher than the boat itself and constantly swamped us. The name of the cruise line was Ponant. That's French for west, and the boat was heading east, so we weren't doing one thing right. The rocking never stopped. Side to side, front to back. If you paid extra for top deck suites, you got the worst thrashing of all. Early on, the rear of the dining room was flooded, but the staff continued serving three meals a day. There was glassware breaking, tables sliding, and dessert carts rolling in all directions. Still, the Filipino busboys never lost their smiles, and the French waiters never lost their scowls. Like robots, they set out three elegant meals a day that everyone was too seasick to eat. It's hard to describe seasickness. It's not just nausea. It's an existential woe. It's your body betraying you. It goes to your core. For guys, it's like being kicked in the balls. For ladies, it's like, I don't know, giving birth to Sean Hannity. When I was seasick, if someone had walked in and shot me in the head, my last words would have been, thank you. Virtually every passenger was wearing seasick patches. Small round band-aids you stick below one ear. I don't know if they work, but they do alert other passengers. I may throw up on you at any moment. It looked like a dystopian movie. People shuffling around glassy-eyed with little on-off buttons stuck to their necks. Each morning at 8, the French captain would come on the PA system. Bonjour, everyone. I hope you had a sweet night. And... We quickly learned that it was French for bad news. Today's sightseeing boat tour has been canceled. And... The penguin encounter will not take place. And... The longer the uh, the worse the news was. Every single activity and excursion was canceled due to bad seas. One old passenger grumbled, I didn't pay all this money for a boat ride. <laughs> well, you kinda did. One morning, as a change of pace, we were awakened by a siren, followed by a panic crew member whispering, Code Bravo! Code Bravo! I said, I don't think we were supposed to hear that. Denise googled it. Guess what? Code Bravo means fire in the engine room. The only activities that didn't get canceled were the onboard lectures. Naturalists describing all the wonderful wildlife we weren't getting to see. There was also one very enthusiastic astronomer. I promise you clear skies the day of the eclipse. Antarctica is a desert. In fact, 
It's the world's largest desert. I raised my hand, but it's cloudy outside right now. Well, a desert is defined as a place it never rains. It doesn't rain here, but it sure snows a whole hell of a lot. Our next wake-up call came at 3 a.m. This was the big one. The solar eclipse was about to take place. All the passengers rushed to the observation deck. Around us were the seven other cruise ships that had made this same stupid journey. And directly above us, clouds. Thick gray clouds from one end of the sky to the other. You couldn't see a solar eclipse. You had no idea where the friggin' sun was. Only the astronomer seemed excited. He stared at his watch. It's coming, it's coming, it's here! And for the next 90 seconds, the dark clouds got slowly darker. Then they went back to less dark. That was our solar eclipse. I looked at my fellow passengers. If disappointment were donuts, you could have fed every cop in America. The astronomer tried to get us excited. Did you see that? Did you see that? It was light, then it got dark, then it got light again. You don't see that every day. Actually, you do, I said. It's called night. Later, I would see a satellite photo from that morning. Thick clouds covered the entire bottom of the planet. God threw a solar eclipse and not one person on Earth got to see it. It was a complete bust, and a terrible realization hit the passengers. For the next three days, we had to sail back across the churning southern seas. It was arguably worse because we had nothing to look forward to, and we knew exactly what's coming. And to put a cherry on top of this shit Sunday, something happened that never happens. It rained in Antarctica. It's appropriate that this was a Harvard alumni trip because it felt just like my Harvard education. I spent my days in a fog, attending lectures I didn't understand, and throwing up twice a day. Plus, like Harvard, I learned maybe three things and wasted tens of thousands of dollars. I later heard that on the other cruise ships, the passengers actually mutinied. But our beloved captain, eh, did one thing right. On our last day at sea, he led us off the boat for three quick photo stops. 30 minutes on an island covered with penguins. 20 minutes to climb a glacier. 15 minutes to stand on an ice floe. This last stop was truly dangerous. The flow was cracking and springing leaks all over the place. But what the hell, we got the pictures. It didn't matter that this was a miserable trip. On Facebook, it looked great. All our friends would be jealous. And isn't that the whole point of social media? People would think we had a fun vacation. In a few years, we'll look back and think we did too. There's another solar eclipse over Antarctica in 2039. I'll bet we're all going. Hey guys, Josh Perillo here, producer for What Am I Doing Here with Mike Reese, and wanted to let you know that the podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy this week. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash what am I doing here. So yeah, let's talk about therapy. I mean, I think the best way to talk about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. You know, we get our cars tuned up on a regular basis so that we don't end up having our brakes go out on us while we're careening down the freeway at 80 miles an hour or you know, we get annual checkups or go to the gym to maintain our physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. Or, you know, we do chores around the house so that we all don't end up on an episode of Hoarders one day. So that's therapy. It's like all of those things. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness. And it's 
you know, you're doing it to prevent bigger issues down the road. Going to therapy doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It means that you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy, as healthy as your body or your car or your house, whatever it is that you maintain on a regular basis. Better Health is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on the camera if you don't want to. And it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And what am I doing here with Mike Reese listeners? Get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash what am I doing here? That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash what am I doing here? Back to the show. And we'll close today's show with a time killer called Mike's Fake Mailbag. In it, we answer made-up questions from fans we just don't have. Mike's Fake Mailbag, we don't even have a jingle. And today's fake letter comes from Faye Kletter. And Faye writes, Mike, your show is hilarious. Thank you, Faye. But I was wondering, what is the worst airline you ever flew on? Well, Faye... Picking my least favorite airline is like picking my least favorite child. I dislike them all equally. For the purposes of this joke, I have children. There are some famously great airlines out there, like Emirates. The food is delicious, the seats become beds, and when you leave, they give you presents, like Emirates pajamas. Only they're not presents, because you paid for them. They're in the cost of your ticket. You just bought yourself Emirates pajamas that you would never wear, and you can't re-gift because who would think you went out and bought them Emirates pajamas? Well, my mom did. She loved them. Happy 100th birthday. At the other end of the spectrum are the third world airlines, like Ethiopian Air. I sat on their plane for hours waiting to take off. I asked the flight attendant what the holdup was. They are waiting for the radar to get here. Eventually another flight landed and I watched as the porters removed the radar unit from that plane and put it on our plane. Ethiopian Air. Many planes. One radar. And then there was the Indian airline where you had to buy a ticket and then bribed the ticket agent to give it to you. It wasn't just me. Everyone on my flight had to slip the guy a hundred bucks to get out of Mumbai. And you know what? It was worth it. Beyond that, all airlines are pretty much the same. The seats are cramped, the food is lousy, and the in-flight films all-star Woody Harrelson. He's in every movie. Who says pot makes you lazy? The only difference between airlines is the kindness of the staff. Delta, you're based in the south and your employees are warm and hospitable. KLM, you're Dutch and you're dicks. KLM workers are pushy, brusque, and imperious. They're like Germans, except Germans are still a little sheepish about the whole two world wars thing. The Dutch are just Germans without a Hitler to be ashamed of. But they're nothing compared to Air France. Every single worker on Air France is rude. Flight attendants, booking agents, security. It must be in the employee manual. Be sure to suck. One guy was rebooking our tickets after Air France missed the connection. He was very arrogant and somehow blamed us for the plane's late arrival. Then he added, By the way, I am not being rude. Really? I thought I got to decide that. Now you're probably thinking, quelle surprise, the French are rude. Well, they're not. 
Parisians are rude, and since Paris is the most visited city on earth, that's everyone's impression of France. But outside the capital, the French are warm, friendly people. They even have a whole city named Nice. It is pronounced Nice. Shut your crepe hole, Frenchie. So rude. Mike's fake mailbag. We still don't have a jingle. Mike's fake mailbag was brought to you by Air France. Air France, we hate you all, and it shows. What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo, featuring Denise Reese as herself. Mike's fake mailbag jingle was performed by Jeff Martin and Samantha Martin. Additional voices by Trevor Morris, Mike's funny doorman.